You are listening to episode number 28 of the Fit Successful Dad podcast. came across an author a little while ago, and her name is Regina Pally, and she is not just an author, but she is a psychiatrist and a psychoanalyst and has been for 35 years. And I came across her when I was first looking up, uh, I guess, progressive and different parenting methods and just things like just doing research in general, you know, just curious. I like to see what's out there. And I came across her books. Um, She's got three of them. The most recent is called The Reflective Parent. And just the name alone was enough for me to kind of go in and research what all she has been doing throughout her career. And her main focus on this whole concept of reflective parenting is really unique and really interesting. It's something that I personally didn't know anything about. And it's kind of it's kind of like looking at outwardly at reflections of what uh, a, a person um, projects and what they expect to return see in return and and also how others kind of uh, interpret you know that that projection of, of oneself it's really cool it's really interesting stuff and she she breaks it down uh, this interview is with Regina Pally and as the fit successful dad host I don't do enough to kind of go into the parenting component of this whole thing. So the whole point of this podcast and the whole point of the fit successful dad name and brand was to really kind of fuse the the two big parts of our lives together, which is parenting and entrepreneurship. Now, not every interview will be with a parent and not every interview will be necessarily with a huge multi-million dollar business running entrepreneur. However, I like to bring in all facets of those two things, entrepreneurship and parenting. Now, this particular person, Regina Pally, is a, a mother and she is a wife. And like I said earlier, she is a psychiatrist and psychoanalyst and author. And she has spent a tremendous amount of her career focusing on parenting. So like I was saying earlier about the Fit Successful Dad name, I don't do enough to bring that parenting component into this. And so I thought this interview would be really Really cool, really interesting for all you parents out there who are listening on what her her take is on parents who want to build a business or build a brand or do something along those lines, some big entrepreneurial endeavor, who are also scared or concerned or worried or not sure how they can really muster up the energy and courage to take that risk. Um, she does a great job of talking about that and talking about how the the kids will see that and how the family will react to it and how the dynamics can actually be a very healthy thing. So it's really cool. Uh, It's an interesting conversation and she has some really, really interesting perspectives. This is the first time I've ever had a conversation with a psychiatrist, especially one who's been in practice for 35 years. So I was a little intimidated on not just her expertise, but the way that she kind of broke down a lot of the stuff into really, really deep detailed levels. Uh, So enjoy this interview with Regina Pally and get ready to take some notes. Thank you so much for joining me. I really, really, really appreciate you taking the time. Um, Before we get into all the things you're up to, your books, your businesses, your kids, your your take on entrepreneurs and parenting and all those things, uh, why don't you tell us who you are, and what you're excited about right now. Okay. So I'm um, 
I'm a psychiatrist. And actually, I've recently retired from my practice of psychiatry to devote myself to my organization, which is called the Center for Reflective Communities. And um, our mission is to promote healthy child development by strengthening relationships that children have with their parents and all the people who care for them. So I'm passionate these days about helping people relate to kids well and give kids what they need um, in order to grow up and uh, not just thrive as a child, but actually to be able to make that healthy transition into adulthood and become as self-sufficient and independent as possible. Okay, that's awesome. So reflective communities, reflective parenting, what does that phrase, what does that phrase really mean to you and how, uh, I guess, how do you put it into your practice? Okay, so the, in a nutshell, being reflective means being able to see the world from the other person's perspective as well as your own. And that means, if I dig a little deeper into what that really means, it means being able to relate to other people, realizing that we each have a mind, we each have a separate mind, and that whatever actions we take, whatever behaviors we take, are motivated or triggered by, excuse my background phone there. It's okay. Um, uh, okay, um, that are triggered by, so our behaviors, which we can see, are triggered by something going on inside the mind. So what's going on inside the mind? Well, we have feelings, we have beliefs, we have intentions, we have goals, we have needs, and everything we do is triggered by something like a feeling or a need or a belief. And when people are aware of that, they get along much better. <laughs> and, and this is true for not just other people's behavior, but it's also true for our own behavior, that everything we do is connected to something going on inside of us. So being reflective is this way of linking the outside with the inside. And it turns out from, and this is you know my, my neuroscience background now kicking in, is that the brain is wired to respond more to what we assume is the reason why a person is behaving the way they are than to what they're actually doing. So what do I mean by that? So if someone offers you an apple, okay, <laughs> you know, and you assume, well, they're being nice and offering you an apple, okay, you know, you smile and you say thank you or no thank you. you know, it's, it's a friendly encounter. But if you think that person is offering you an apple, <laughs> to tease you, and as soon as you grab for it, they're gonna take it away, um, you're gonna have a whole different response. Or if you think that person's showing off that they have an apple and you don't, you're gonna respond in a different way. So whatever assumption we think is going on in the other person, whatever we think is the reason why they're behaving that way, that's what we're responding to. We also are responding to what's going on inside us. Like what's that behavior making us feel? Is it making us feel trusting? Is it making us feel um, skeptical? Um, and so we, we actually re respond to people more from what's going on inside of us than to actually what's going on. And so um, unless people know this, they're gonna have messed up relationships. When people do know this, it doesn't guarantee they're gonna always get along. <laughs> But what it does guarantee is they're going to be able to clarify their misunderstandings when they occur. 
I have so many questions, Regina. <laughs> <laughs> I've said a lot. I've said a lot. <laughs> you know, the nutshell is two-way perspective taking, you know, but there's a long answer behind it because it's way more complicated. Yeah. Uh, the, the one thing I do want to go back to that you, you just mentioned is, uh, and, I, and I, I think I have this quote um, dead on, but you said how we respond to people is more about what's going on inside of us rather than the other person. That's right. Right. Uh, and so, okay, so you have all of the, the, the background in this stuff, and you've been doing this for a long, long time. So I believe that you've given that way deeper thought than I have in the last 30 seconds since you said it. <laughs> and, um, I find it very powerful. I, I'm curious how, how does that play into a situation with a parent and their child? Okay, I can give you a hundreds of examples. Hundreds. Right? Okay, cool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Holding you to that. I'll just give you examples from my own kids because, you know, uh, just to show how, you know, listen, I'm an expert, but doesn't mean I do everything the right way at all. <laughs> none of us do. Okay, sure. Um, so I'll give you one example. One example was my daughter. Um, our whole family are big readers. And so my daughter was a big reader also. But when she got to fourth grade, she she basically stopped reading for pleasure. I mean, she'd do her homework and do all the reading she needed to do for that because she was a good student. But she stopped reading for pleasure. And I was just tearing my hair. I just like, you know, my heart was hurting because of this. And so I tried everything to motivate her to start reading for pleasure again, even to the point of bribing her. You know? <laughs> but But it really wasn't working. And it was just causing us more tension. And so I said, you know, listen, this is this is something's not working here. And she said, you know what your problem is, mom? You read and I don't. And that was a real eye opener to me that there was a part of this not reading that for her was developing a sense of separateness from me, which was really important. And I had to respect that. And that the more I pushed, the more she was going to push back. And so I let it go because for the sake of our relationship and the sake of what I thought was best for her, I had to let go of this strong desire I had to turn her into a reader again. And so that's an illustration of how I was responding more to my own belief that I had to make her a reader. And if I was a good parent, I could get her to do it and that there was something wrong with her not doing it. I wasn't react. I was responding to that. And when I let go of that, when I realized that that's what was going on, and I made, got, you know, understood better where she was coming from, I was able to resolve it. Um, you want another example? Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting on that one for a second, but uh, yes, please. Well, before we go on, was this, so this was, I guess this was a, uh, your daughter's ability to develop the perspective that she, I guess there's a, an independence thing there, right? Yes. Okay. Well, first of all, she was able to tell me what, <laughs> what she was thinking about this. And I, I, I think the other reason this is a good example, I mean, is that this capacity to be reflective is not something children are born with. They actually have to learn it from the people who take care of them. Yeah. So yeah, the I only way that. you learn to be reflective if you're, is if you're raised by someone who's reflective. It's like language. 
I mean, how do we learn to speak? We don't learn to speak because someone instructs us in how to speak. We learn to speak because we pick it up from the environment around us of the people we're listening to. That's how children learn to speak. They internalize it by listening and imitating. And they don't learn it by being taught, so to speak. And the same thing with being reflective. You have to be reflective with your child. And so my daughter actually had developed a little bit of you know, her own reflective capacity that she could <laughs> tell me what was going on with her. Now, you know, when my son, so I have three kids, two boys and a girl. So when my son, you know, he would uh, not want to go to school. And, and at the time, you know, it was like, this, I guess, must have been kindergarten. He was five. And, you know, he would complain about having a stomachache. And I would say, no, you're anxious about going to school. And he'd say, no, I'm not. I have a stomachache. Well, that's not very reflective, but that's because he was five, right? You know, and um, so, but I was teaching him about the link between his body and his mind, right? And that was part of a learning process. Um, and that's, that's part of how we teach kids. We don't tell them, oh, your mind is connected to your body and all that. We don't have to go through all that, but you, you're just relating to them in that way. Wow, okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's pretty cool. I've never heard, I've never heard that really described that way. Is this something that, is this something that you kind of helped co-develop, or is this a practice that's been in existence for a long time that you're just kind of, um, you know, repeating and putting out there and just enhancing? That, that's a really good question. It's both, because I was already thinking this way, and then in around 2007, I met these people who had developed a model based on all these ideas that I had been thinking about. And so they gave me a vocabulary for what I was already um, thinking. So a, a lot, the book contains kind of like a lot of my own ideas that I sort of discovered along the way and sort of formulated for myself. But now that I have this really good vocabulary, um, I use that vocabulary from these colleagues of mine who developed a model called reflective parenting um, program and we use that in our nonprofit organization with with uh, parents and um, so it's also what I have gleaned this is my own personal take or on all my understanding about how the brain works and so I've sort of put it all together it's kind of like the ingredients were out there, but I sort of put it together in my own soup or stew or whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, there's a lot of research about the importance of being reflective. Tons of research. In fact, probably the most dramatic piece of research is, is that when parents are reflective, statistically, their children are much more likely to do well over the long run of life. They're much more likely to be ready for school. They're much more likely to do well in school. They're much more likely to be able to self-regulate their emotions and their behaviors. They get along better with others. I mean, these are the qualities every parent wants for their child. And when parents are reflective and they understand what I was just describing before, that's the most important thing that kids need, is to be able to relate to their children in this kind of reflective way. Everything else is important, you know, like, take, you know, uh, you know, doing sports or doing your homework. I mean, those things are important, but not as not more important than this other stuff. 
I like to say the other stuff comes out in the wash. <laughs> so when parents are reflective, their children do better. That's. Can you find a way, or maybe you've already thought of this, to tie that into a parent's successes or failures, maybe professionally or personally? Um, sure. So, okay. Do so. this all the time, because I work with a lot of... <laughs> you know, successful people, for one thing. And I have, you know, my kids are all, you know, working like really intense jobs. So um, this comes up a lot when I'm even trying to, you know, talk, help my, uh, my own kids with their kids. Okay, so actually, so before you go into that, so what, what do your, your three kids do? My daughter, as I said, my, one of my daughters is a, um, an engineer. She does uh, water resources and toxic waste up in um, Seattle. Uh, one of my sons is a, uh, a neuroscience researcher, neuroengineering, and also the author of a book about some of his work on depression. And my other son is, works um, in business consulting. He works with a company that does consulting with uh, uh, biotech companies. So they're all, you know, hardworking. And I worked when I was, you know, raising my children. As a matter of fact, I'd asked my daughter once when she was probably in her 20s already. I said, Did it, was it a problem for you that I worked? And she said to me, what else would you do? <laughs> so um, there's no impediment to a child for their parent to uh, be successful. And when a parent has a failure, I mean, that's a really important lesson for children to, to know about is how does their parent process failure? Wow, that's an amazing learning experience for a child. Does the parent, and, and how the parent shares how they're processing the failure with their child is also, it's a really great opportunity um, for kids to learn important lessons, I think. Well, certainly, certainly. And so a lot of the audience listening to this is made up of uh, parents who are interested in pursuing or building or creating some sort of entrepreneurial path, mm -hmm. whatever that may be. And Good for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And and one of the things that that plagues most people in that situation who have not mm -hmm. started yet is... Mm -hmm. Not only the scheduling, timing, and financial, and the list goes on. All the things that come with being a parent and having a kid in the house and raising you know, one or more kids. But also the, 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 the change, the potential change that happens, uh, that could happen, I guess, if that endeavor fails. You know, and, and what kind of impacts that might have on the the attitude and the way the, the the personality of the parent um at home versus at at work or you know chasing this this project or this this entrepreneurial endeavor and so i wanted your perspective on maybe how one of these parents could i guess um incorporate into their approach or into their strategy or at least start thinking about um, maybe a mental shift that might be worth 
worth doing or worth considering um, prior to building a to trying to build something from scratch you know for the first time um, if that if that makes any sense yeah well if I get your question right there it's it's like two two parts to it one is how do I incorporate this whole new endeavor into my life with my children and the second part is uh-oh what happens if after I put all this time and energy into it, it fails, and then what do I do? Is that, is it both of those things? That's a much more eloquent way to put the question, yes. <laughs> okay. All right. So the first thing is, first of all, remember, children don't know how the world is supposed to work. They figure out how the world is supposed to work, somewhat from their own experience, but also a lot from their parents. So, you know, what, what happens if I decide to move to a different city? What's going to impact my kids? And you go about explaining why you're doing it. So I think a really important thing for children to know about is that their parents are excited about things, that their parents have interests. I mean, this is just such a wonderful thing for a child. Now, yeah, of course, a, a child wants to know that their parent, their parent is devoted to them, loves them, is connected to them, is thinking about them. But but it's also wonderful to know that you have a parent who's like enthusiastic. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I just think that's a gift to give to a child because then it sets up an opportunity, a possibility for the child to be able to have that same path if they want to. So I think it's a great role model. And so, you know, around our dinner table, my husband and I talked about our work and how, you know, much we enjoyed it. And Yes, it required schedules and all of that, but that's part of passion and commitment. And so a lot of times um, children can learn from that, that they have, you know, as a child, they have their passions and commitments and their scheduling needs, and so do mom and dad. And um, now the, the trick is remaining empathic about the impact you're having on your child. It doesn't mean just because your child's upset that you have to drop them off at school early or you have to have somebody else pick them up after school because you, you can't get out of your work or you have some unexpected meeting that comes up and you have to disappoint them. That's going to happen. It's, it's, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be an entrepreneur. It means you have to be empathic with the impact you're having on your child. doesn't mean you give in to what your child wants. So what do I mean by empathic? You have to understand, yeah, I can see that's hard for you, honey. You know, I'm sorry that that, that was disappointing. You, you might not even be able to make it up, but you have to remain um, empathic about their experience and validate their experience. Yes, I could see if I were in that same situation. Essentially what you're saying is if I were in that same situation, I'd probably have exactly the same reaction, you know, ultimately. <laughs> but um, it doesn't mean you have to fix it. You just have to care about it. That's what kids need. Parents underestimate children. <laughs> children don't need perfect parents. They don't want perfect parents. They don't need a parent that fixes everything. They don't need a parent who always does it right. They just need a parent to know what they're going through and care about it and help them with it. So, you know, you could offer like, well, okay, it's really hard for you when... You know, I have to, the babysitter has to come to pick you up instead of me, you know. So what can we do about that? What will help you cope with it better? 
we underestimate that children can learn to cope. Um, and they want to learn how to cope. And they need you to help them with that. And so as long as the parent is doing all of that, I think it's great to have to create schedules and go to meetings and do stuff, you know. Uh, I think they, I think they're jointly work hand in hand. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it really does. Um, so, I mean, in my situation, I only have, I have one son and he's five mm -hmm. right now mm -hmm. and I haven't had a tremendous amount of opportunities for that situation to really unfold. Uh, but I know they're coming. Yep. <laughs> I know they're coming. <laughs> And well, I, because for him, the world is how it is. You know, kids think the way it is in their family is how the world works. Yeah. The yeah. truth about who their parents are is the truth about how the world is. So they don't know any different. <laughs> I once knew someone who's who was shocked to discover that some parents shared the same bed. <laughs> she thought that her friends whose parents shared the same bed were poor. It was in her family. Her parents had separate bedrooms. And it was, you know, that was her experience. And that's what she thought was reality. So your son right now thinks whatever is going on now is just the way the world works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I've never thought about that. Since he's been born, I have never thought about that. That's a perspective yeah. that just never crossed my mind. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty funny. Yeah, um, well, that's all, that's all I'm offering, you know, reflective parenting. It's not like like I'm going to give you an exact tool about how to put your child to bed or toilet train or whatever. It's all about mindset. It's all about perspective taking and ways of thinking about things that are more, I call, adaptive and health promoting. Well, that makes a lot of sense. It really does. You know, and I'm, I'm a big fan of basically leading by example. So, um, you know, one of the things that we we do here a lot in our house and one of the things we talk about is um, rather than forcefully trying to tell our, our son you know what to do um, and, and not giving any options or anything we like to demonstrate first why um, you know why, why something like that would be the right choice and uh -huh. uh, or at least to consider as the right choice and mm -hmm. by example by doing that yeah and sounds great we found that uh, by us being, um, being I guess very sincere about our choices, uh, my wife and I, I mean, that he he has latched onto that and he kind of sees that you know we're not really too wishy washy. We do something and 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 that's that's what we do. And then he kind of almost demonstrates that same type of attitude, which mm -hmm. is really cool to watch and. And a lot of that is is being I'm noticing in um, some of the other like projects and things that I'm doing and like this podcast. Um, you know, he knows about all these things, and he knows that I don't spend a lot of my free time like watching Netflix, like some of you know our neighbors' kids, our neighbors' parents do, and stuff like that. And he mm -hmm. he sees me working, <laughs> or if he gets up in the middle of the night to you know to go to the bathroom or something, and I'm still awake, you know, he'll see me. I'm writing something, um, mm -hmm. typing something, and then um, he asked me about it, and mm -hmm. it's, it's 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 pretty cool. It's, and so there's, I'm having a hard time articulating some of these things. I think it just no, you're doing your I, I understand exactly what you're talking about. It sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, so I'm a big fan of leading by example, and I've always been. I've always thought that 
um, at least since I've started getting into you know entrepreneurial pursuits, that children don't need to be and probably shouldn't be considered a hindrance uh, towards a parent's goals. More, in fact, I, I would kind of believe it's the opposite. I kind of believe that it's it's almost like an enhancement or an enabler or a catalyst for that parent to do more and do better and lead by example and achieve by achieving their goals and their you know interests that the the children would see that and almost thrive on it as an example uh-huh. what, are your th- what are your thoughts on that well i i agree with everything you said and then i'm going to add something to it expand on it and that is that there's no right way to parent i agree with that too <laughs> yeah exactly and that these are mutually go hand in hand so I think it's great if a parent is an entrepreneur, wants to be an entrepreneur, is excited about being an entrepreneur, but there's plenty of parents who, who have no interest in that. That's not, some parents, you know, just want to have a job and it's the security of having a job and a salary and go to work. And that's who they are. So there's no one right way to do it. We're all trying to teach our children opportun- ways of being a human being in the world. And your parents are just one example of that. And it's, you know, the parent. know be in a band so uh which is like really different than this path you've taken but you'll because you'll be an open-minded parent as well as a dedicated entrepreneurial parent you will give him the freedom to do that right so that's really what this is about it's about being who you are as a parent and That's the role model. You can't be any other role model than that. That's who you are. Entrepreneurial parent, that's who you are. But if you're a parent who likes to stay home and cook, that's who you are. And I think that was one of the things that attracted you to, I think you found somewhere I had written something about authentic parenting. And that's what I mean. Um, So I can't tell you what kind of parent to be, but I can tell you to be the parent you are. and that's how it's going to go in your family. And um, let's say you have another child. You know, that child might uh, love that path and they may not. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think we have to realize that there's always these tensions um, that all we can do is do our best at who we are. All we can do is, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Do our that. best at who we are. Yeah, simple, and, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and I think that's what you're talking about. And you're a great role model, and you're really observant, observing how your kid's responding and tuned into it and, you know, feeling proud of that. And that's great. And that's what I would encourage all entrepreneurial parents to do. Um, but not to lose sight of the fact that... Um, you know, as if that's the right way, because then we get into this problem of parents judging each other. You know, there was a little judgment in your voice about those other parents who sit at home and watch Netflix, right? No, 
you know, every parent is who they are. Uh, my husband likes to watch tel- tons of television. He's a, te- he was a great physician, he's a great dad, great sports person, but he loves television. <laughs> and he's not up at night, you know, figuring out his plans for his next entrepreneurial endeavor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that didn't stop my son from becoming entrepreneurial and um, didn't stop my other son, you know, from developing his pursuits in an entrepreneurial way. And so that's the provide, that's always the, I, I want parents to be less judgmental of each other, to feel confident about what they're doing and stop being so judging of other people, how they're doing it. Uh, yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, um, well, you're, you're reading my tones here, but <laughs> my, uh, <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> my, my biggest role model in the world is my dad. And oh, good. Uh, I'm, I'm the only boy in my family. Uh-huh. Uh, my dad was a, and still is, he's a computer engineer and, uh-huh. um, he has been since, I don't know, I was one or two. So a long time, about 30 years. And uh-huh. so far back as I can remember. Now he uh-huh. doesn't have an entrepreneurial bone in his body. And, uh-huh. <laughs> and we've had conversations about this cause he comes up with ideas and stuff every now and again. And then I'll talk about ways he can take that and scale it and monetize it and do all this stuff. And then he's like, Hey man, I, I don't really want to do any of that. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. have my yeah. job and he watches a lot of TV. And, and yeah. so it's not, it's not, um, it's not really passing judgment. Um, my, my son has noticed it and I don't even think he has a clue how to tell an industrious person from a non-industrious person or someone exactly. who, but yeah. you know, it's just an observation he made that I thought was interesting that he was that observant. So it was, you know, it was kind of interesting, but um, yeah, yeah, because he's trying to make sense of the world. He notices that his grandfather is different than his father. Like, you know, how come, how come grand, how come grandpa doesn't, you know, have a making his own business. That's an observation, right? And it's not a, for a child five. It's not a judgment at all. It's just an observation of differences. And now he's wondering, okay, why is that? Now he's going to learn why that is. And you know, for them, it's neutral. Um, especially since you love your dad and admire your dad, and so your child's going to learn. Oh, people are different. Now that's a fabulous lesson to learn because yeah. it's true. People are just different. And um, so, so I think that's I, I love that story. Um, you know, my father, <laughs> my father was a taxi cab driver and my mother was a bookkeeper and I became a physician. But that's because, you know, I was and my, my I don't even think my parents lo- loved their work particularly. I mean, you know, it's their work. But they encouraged me to pursue what I was interested in. And so um, ultimately, I think that's what your dad communicated to you, that, you know, he was interested in what he was doing and he gave you the freedom to pursue what you were interested in. And I think that's terrific oh he definitely did and i love him for it yeah 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 and and to kind of bring this back around a little bit you were saying earlier that you i forgot your word but you are who you are right and you you parent you're gonna you can only be the best person who you you uh, who you are right (laughs) and you're you know you're the best the best way for you to parent is to be the parent that you are kind of thing yes yes i you you know my my motto is Raise the child you have, not the child you wish you had. And be the parent you are, not the parent you think you're supposed to be. Yeah, I love that. That's incredibly powerful. 
and it's so fitting too and so for the, a lot of the people probably most of the people that are going to be listening to this they have some kind of entrepreneurial itch and they feel like they can't chase it and I am trying to reach as many people as possible to tell them that you can be who you are you can yeah. chase that and yeah. you, know, yeah. you kind of just echo that by saying all of those things yeah. and yeah. your children will just adapt and they will yeah. notice it yeah. and then yeah. it'll be what it is and that's that yeah yeah you know and can i add like something that's a little psychiatric here <laughs> please, <laughs> please do <laughs> so when i hear parents talk like that i ask them to consider is it really just your kids you worried about or is there some doubt you have you know some of your own fears because one of the things i really encourage parents to do um is to not put the blame or uh, cause on their kids. And, you know, just as you don't want a parent to say, listen, I have to spend so many hours at work because I'm, you know, want to be able to send you to private school. You know, don't blame your kids because the fact that you're working a lot, you're working a lot because you like working a lot and be honest about it. And, and so I actually encourage parents who are scared about doing something to, to think now, because I'm going to tell you, your kids are going to cope with it. If you can cope with it, you <laughs> yeah. are going to transmit your own abilities to cope onto your kids. That's the message you're going to send to your kids. And so once you figure out that you feel you can do it, and stop worrying so much about your kids, once you feel you can do it, the way you're going to transmit that is that this is something that can be coped with. And if there's really one thing that I know helps kids, it's the attitude of a parent that this can be coped with, this can be dealt with, whatever difficulty it is. So I really encourage those parents to really think through about what are their own doubts, maybe about themselves, more than just because it's not good for their kids. Now, you know, that, that, that's my psychiatric, that, that's really me as a psychiatrist, but that's kind of how I um, try to think, help parents think some of these things through. It's an illusion that it's just the kids, usually. Yeah, I love that. Um, what, do you feel that, because I do, uh, that motivation for doing something can be drawn from something as simple as uh, as as your kids? So what I mean by that is... Yes, yes, because our motivation to be, to, to be selfless, look at how selfless we have to be as parents. It is for our kids. I mean, it makes, but it makes us feel good to do it. And frankly, there is this, I'm not a believer that we have to be totally selfless, that we have to do it just for our kids. Because usually it actually works better when the parent actually enjoys it or feels good about it themselves. Um, when parents have to be, feel that they have to be too selfless, it's actually not really great for their kids. So um, I'm not such a purist on that. Yes, of course we do it just for our kids. But um, like, I don't love, you know, <laughs> watching animated cartoons with my kids. But when they were little, I would watch animated cartoons with my kids, right? <laughs> but it gave me pleasure to know I was doing something good for them. So I always think there's this little two-way street. And we know, biologically speaking, we know, I mean, this is research done on infants, but that when a, a baby cries 
the parent's brain shoots out a little bit of dopamine, which, as we know, is the reward chemical. So why would a baby's cry activate a reward chemical in the, in the parent's brain? It's because the parent is going to get a sense of motivation and pleasure in relieving the child's distress. So the parent is going to do something just for the kid, which is called relieving the child's distress, whether it's picking the child up, waking up in the middle of the night, whatever it is, right? But it's going to activate in them a good feeling. And that's the reward we get for being parents and doing things for our kids. So I actually, that's how I think about it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that's pretty wild. That makes so much sense too. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. I, I remember um, my, my whole life actually, my, my dad, uh, who's, you know, like I said earlier, is my hero for sure. He was in this position when I was a kid, when I used to live with him of just giving, giving, giving constantly. He had myself and my two older sisters at home and then my mom and he was just always giving. So he was the breadwinner and then he'd come home and he would just give, 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 help do homework, uh-huh. help do this, that, you know, mm-hmm. typical mm-hmm. dad stuff. Mm-hmm. And it actually made me feel really, really good when he would I get something for himself, which did not yes. happen often when I was a child. Yes, yes. And um, you know, I think one of the things that we all in the house liked, uh, some of the memories, some of the fondest memories we have, um, certainly are when my, my dad would, you know, when he got like his first real car that he wanted, which was way 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 later in life than it needed to be <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah, that's just the yeah. type of guy he was so you know we all yeah, felt really yeah. good about these things yeah. and uh and he worked so long to get it and um and my wife and i have talked about this at length but and also a few friends of mine who, who have kids that um that yeah just to just to go back around one more time to what you said earlier uh, that parents who who actually are interested in and passionate about something and do that um, you know, the kids are aware of that and they notice it and yeah, yeah. And it, and it definitely creates some interest in them yeah. to, to try and understand that a little bit more, which is right. really cool. You know, it's really cool. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so glad to, that you're bringing this up because I think parents, again, we underestimate kids. Kids actually care about us, <laughs> you know, yeah. and they love us and they admire us and they, look up to us and they, and, and they like it when we're happy. Yeah. And, um, so kids have a kind of a natural ability to be em- empathic. And so, um, this is exactly what you see in kids and parents who aren't aware that their children take pleasure when the parent is having a good time, um, you know, are missing out on something. Uh, I had one mother say to me, she said, you know, I see all these parents and they're so child focused and they feel like they have to spend every moment with their kids. And, you know, they never get a babysitter and they wear that like a badge of pride. Well, we've never had <laughs> yeah. a babysitter. And she said, um, what, you know, she asked me what I thought about that. And I said, well, you know, tell me more. And she said, well, you know, I'd like to like, like, is it okay to go out on the weekend with my husband? And I said to her, well, do you want to go out? And she said, yeah, I really miss it. I really want to do that. My husband and I really enjoy being together. I said, so do it. (laughs) Kids will be happy that you're having a good time. Yes, they may cry and complain that you're going off. But in the end, it's good for them to know that you take care of your needs. Now, why is that? 
that's how children learn about how the world works. Because if you can take care of your needs, it means they can take care of their needs, right? So um, that'll help them again with peer pressure when other people want to do things they don't want to do. They'll take care of their own needs. And so I think this is a really great thing. And you learned it at your father's knee, which is terrific. <laughs> oh, this has been um, this has been a really, 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 really cool um, interview, and definitely brought up some nostalgia and <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting yeah. to go there, but that was great. Um, yeah. I do have one more question before we wrap well, and it up. That's how it works. Remember, we learn <laughs> how to be a human being from our parents. That's, you know, so it's built into the system. We can't avoid it as parents. No, no, certainly not. Uh, you've definitely got me thinking and I think you're going to get all the listeners of this kind of reevaluating and maybe refocusing a little bit, <laughs> which is great. This is great. It was the, it was the goal. Uh, it was one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here. I, I figured you'd have some powerful things to say, and you definitely did, which is awesome. Um, so I do have one more question for you, and it's a question that I ask everyone on, on the podcast, because especially with someone like you, with your track record and all the things that you've done and all the accomplishments and successes you've had, um, I'm, I'm very curious to hear your words on this. But I want you to imagine yourself for a second standing at a podium and you're in a uh, function hall or a ballroom or something and you're looking out and in that function hall are just hundreds of parents just like the people I described earlier they are entrepreneurs at heart they want to turn their vision into a reality they want to create something for themselves and create the lifestyle they want but they just don't feel like it's possible given their schedule money energy uh, the parental requirements and domestic duties and all those things and they're looking up at you Regina what do you tell them? <laughs> I tell them that there probably are more possibilities than they think there are. And to see what areas are holding them back and try to see if they can um, try it anyhow. You know, it's interesting. My, I'll give you the words of my grandson. So he's two and a half, okay? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and... Um, he, <laughs> he'll ask me to do something like, you know, jump up in the air, jump up on those steps, grandma. And I'll say, I can't do that. And he says, try. <laughs> so that's what I would say to everybody. <laughs> try, give it a try. Push yourself just a little further than you think you can go. Because my guess is, I know your children will be able to cope with it. And, um, so that's, that would be what I would say. Try. I love it. Try, take action. Don't just sit back and think about it. Actually try something. Yeah. Try, <laughs> try it out. If it doesn't work, fine. That's okay. But not trying is not okay. So true. I love that. That's perfect. Um, okay. Well, that's going to wrap it up, Regina. Um, how can people get in touch with you? if they want to find out more about you, uh, the books that you've written or to talk to you about maybe anything related to what we talked about today or just to read up more about your outlook on parenting and all the other things that you've, you've written about and things that you've done. Well, I have a website, which is reginapally.com, and I have a Facebook page called The Reflective Parent, and I write about all these ideas there. They can contact me by my email, which is... R. Pally at Reflective Communities. 
I like to do talks and meet with groups of people. And, um, you know, if somebody has a burning question they want to ask me, I'll, I'll, I'll try to answer it. Um, I can't guarantee I'll answer every question, but I'll give it a try. I'll, tr- I'll try. How's that? <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. I'm going to put all those links in the show notes for the podcast so that anybody who wants to follow up with those can just go and link to them right from, right from there. Um, so that's it, Regina. Uh, once again, thank you so much. I really, really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. It really means a lot to me. Thank you. All right. Listen, you take care, and I will hopefully talk to you very, very soon. Okay. All right, take okay, care. Bye. Bye-bye. You know, when I go back and listen to that interview a second time and third time, which I had to do to kind of prepare myself to release this episode out to the Fit Successful Dad community, I was just reminded at how awesome of a conversation it was and just how much insight Regina has based on her years of experience and dealing with people like me and people not like me over the years. And uh, all in all, I mean, the, 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 the value that I got out of that interview and the value that I hope you get out of the interview is tremendous, especially if you're a parent and you're considering going down this entrepreneurial path. I think you can probably take a lot away from that. And the big bottom line there is that everything will be okay. <laughs> everything will be okay whatever your path is your path is and you know maybe not everybody was destined to be an entrepreneur you know it sounds sexy to a lot of people and generating multiple income streams sounds really cool and everything and it is and it can be it's a lot of work and maybe not everybody was built for that and that's okay that's <laughs> quite all right there's nothing wrong with that so i'm glad that i was able to bring regina on and just kind of break away from big multi-million dollar business entrepreneurs for a little bit and just kind of remind ourselves, you know, kind of what's important and just to remind ourselves that, you know, we don't need to stress about things necessarily. We just kind of go along our way and that our kids will adapt and whatever we do is our example to the kids. So if we are, if we are building a brand building a business and doing all that stuff, that's what's going to be normal to them. That's what they're going to kind of grow up around. And if we're not, if we're doing a nine to five thing, you know, that's okay too. And that is what's going to be normal to them. And it doesn't mean that they're going to grow up and do the exact same thing, obviously, but it is cool to hear from someone who's been in the field for such a long time that has so much prestige around her name. Uh, It's cool to hear that, that in general, through her experience, she has found that kids like to see their parents happy and they like to see their parents succeed at things and they like to see their parents um, confidently deal with issues as they come uh, come across them you know so all these experiences that you have had and are going to have you know it's it's okay and successes and failures they're all good and the kids will adapt and they will be happy seeing you happy so you should make that a priority in your life if you haven't already You deserve to be happy, I deserve to be happy, and your kids are going to appreciate and respect that you took the time to take care of yourself as well as them. So with that, I'm going to wrap this up, and thank you so much for listening. Take care.